And we are live here on Night Shift. Boy, are we fired up here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Eric Lopez. That's Andrew Glukoff. That's Kyle Nash. We are here. We just, of course, have here our official word. The UCF Knights are going bowling. They're going to Gasparilla Bowl against the Florida Gators. It's true. It's true. It has happened. Coming up, we're going to get your reaction, folks. Are you excited about this game? Are you nervous about this game? What is going to be your reaction? We're going to hear Drew and Kyle's initial thoughts on this game. We want to make sure you make sure you send us your comments uh, on Twitter, on Facebook. We're live on all of those and YouTube as well. That's why you should subscribe to YouTube. You follow us on you on the Twitter and of course like us on Facebook. Blackandgoldbanner.com. Check out all the latest. We were the first once again for the second year in a row. Black and Gold Banneret was the first outlet to have UCF in the correct bowl placement. Two years in a row. Last year, and we had Eric, the- Eric, you you got this one right. Wait, I got this one right, yes. Do we have the correct part name on who got it right? I'm just checking. I, I do. It was me. I, it's, I, it's, it's either Eric Lopez or Eric Lopez. That's correct. <laughs> I am, not to be confused with the star of our time, which we'll, you know, maybe we'll get that another Eric another Lopez. Time. But um, <laughs> there you go. But anyway, so we want your thoughts on this. We have a big breakdown. We're gonna. We're also going to talk about, uh, announce some of the content we'll be doing. We're going to be doing a lot of coverage of this game. Because, guys, here's my initial thoughts. I'm excited. I'm not the biggest bowl guy. I think there's too much political stuff. We don't get games we normally want. I think we overplay this stuff. It's an exhibition. That said, who gives a bleep? It's UCF in Florida. Let, <laughs> let the fun begin. Uh, these two schools, these two fan bases are going to talk trash. It's going to be a packed house. Congrats to Gasparilla. They're the big winner in this. That right. place is going to be packed. And uh, this is going to be fun. Both fan bases are going to downplay. They're going to say, oh, it doesn't matter until they win. And then they're going to talk smack. So uh, <laughs> bring it on. I think this is the most, will be the most watched non-New Year's Six UCF bowl game in the history of the Orlando market. That's my bold prediction on that. Uh, but anyway, that's my thoughts. Uh, Drew, your thoughts. Uh, I, 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 you know, as I've said before, low and mid-tier bowls need a hook. They need a story. And this was by far one of the best stories to go with is making a sunshine state thing there. There's already built in animosity, you know, Florida, the establishment, UCF, the upstart and, you know, add a little intrigue. UCF's moving themselves up to the power five in, a, in potentially a couple of years, depending if they can negotiate it out. What a way to send a message of saying, Hey, watch out for us. You know, we're going to become the big dogs in the state of Florida. This is this, this is a step in that direction. Yeah, well, and it's a win for the Gasparilla, too. If you go down the list of, of the top Gasparilla Bowls, no matter who the sponsor is, because they're changing it from the bad boy mowers this year, I know that. Uh, but uh, no matter that what, I think you'll see at least, and you have to think this is going to make crack that list as well, but at least three of the top ten games. It might even be the top five. I haven't looked at it freshly. But those attendees that were tops in the Bulls history – all involve UCF. You have to think, guys, this is going to be one of the ones that's added to that list as well. And hey, listen, this is one of those years, gentlemen, all across the nation where all sorts of weird things have happened. Statistical anomaly is an understatement. And at this point, whatever you want to say about Florida, this was going to be the year something like this would happen. Down for them uh, a little bit. They, They have a higher expectation there in Gainesville, but kind of a place where UCF has been before as a G5 school when they haven't knocked it out of the park. It, it's it's one of those years where where those two moons 
shined just so to to uh, reveal the amulet or sons, whatever you want to call it. It's an Indiana Jones reference, people. Anyways, which version? <laughs> I want to I want to point out a couple things, guys. Um, that that uh, Kyle alluded to. Three of the four top attended games in Gasparilla, St. Pete, Beef Braves, insert bold name here, history, were UCF games. So it was three uh, of the top four. Oh, wow, I didn't realize Three of the top good. four. Cool, all uh, right. Three of the top four. Thank uh, you. UCF <laughs> has, uh, I believe there are, I believe it's four of the top five, if you, you know, uh, if you, you know, if you look at it, all the, all the numbers, but this will be UCF's fifth appearance. That'll be the most out of any team. They had been tied with Marshall since 2018, because obviously the two met, in 2019, which was the last year that this bowl ha- uh, played, it was supposed to play in 2020. It was supposed to be South Carolina, UAB. South Carolina had to back out because of COVID within their team. And no no replacement came, so they, they canceled the bowl game. So, so technically, UCF is doing what Marshall did from 18 to 19, which is playing two Gasparillas back-to-back. Mm. But with UCF moving to the Big 12, this really becomes – the last likely opportunity for the Gasparilla to bring. And this is a point that Eric made uh, in his predictions is one reason why he was very gung ho on the Gasparilla because, uh, and and sorry to steal your thunder, Eric, on this one, but UCF plays South Florida in Tampa in, in 2022. And do, does, you know, do they really want to play back to back in the same place? You know, bowl, bowl teams usually don't, bring teams on back-to-back years. It's why I didn't expect the Boca Raton to be an option and and, and some other teams and in, in other bowl games. But this this really is a great fit for UCF. I mean, the Gasparilla St. Pete insert name here has always been a good partner as far as being local, uh, but not being too low on the tonable. Yeah, it's a pre-Christmas uh, game and, and pre-Christmas bowl games are kind of looked uh, negatively. However, uh, you still have it's very it's very easily accessible. It's now in a great stadium. You say what you want, but you know Raymond James Stadium is an outstanding place to watch a game of football. Oh yeah, venue's fantastic. And with ESPN running the show because this is an ESPN owned bowl, I guarantee you, uh, it's you know it's the best production you're going to get, uh, uh, you know, possible in night that game stadium. too. By the way, prime time. Mm-hmm. Right, and in most of, and most of the games have been prime time. There was a few a few spattering of years, including 2019, where it wasn't, and it was a very weird time, like two o'clock on a Monday. I mean, two thirty no on sense. a Monday, yeah, the one we yeah, covered through in eighteen, yeah, it was awful. Uh, it was absolutely awful, but th- this is going to be prime time. Uh, yeah, it means late night for us, but it's going to be good football for everyone else. And you know, if you get a chance, go. If not, watch it on TV. But you know at least you know support the team uh they need numbers and this is a great way to to stand up and say hey ucf is on its way it's here you know moving on to a power five and going up against the sec by the way i just want to chime in gus malzahn has tweeted he must be a fan of night shift because he literally tweeted right as the shows are basically starting (laughs) uh so i appreciate that coach not coincidence Uh Absolutely not. not. He, he go. He tweets out, excited for our guys to be playing in the Gasparilla Bowl against a quality in-state opponent like Florida. Great op- opportunity for Night Nation, to, uh, Night Nation, to head down the ro- the road to play to a place our program has had a lot of success. Hashtag charge on. That was that's a great description too, man. Like as we were saying, not only do they is it about the numbers that UCF fans show up in. Uh, not just all over the nation, but there in particular, and their uh, success there, you know, quality in-state uh, opponent, like, uh, say what you will about 
the uh, Gators situation as far as their record or any of that. We all much rather see this game than than UCF Marshall. And no offense to any Marshall people out there, but yeah, I think that's pretty clear. And listen, maybe Gus just confused the start of our show with our time. Andrew's contribution certainly makes that a possibility. So at the end of the day, listen, I'd love to see that from Coach, and I think that's a great assessment of the bowl in general. All right, here's some comments. We got a lot of comments coming in. Fallen hero, base legend going, F-L-F-G, let's effing go. Uh, he goes, <laughs> I didn't think of his Tom Brady saying that. Right. Me too. It's a, I think you he's know, got that. Coincidence, day. Tampa guy, you know, nothing. Yeah. Ooh. There you go. Now, he does ask a question, a statement here. Winner is the best team in Florida. Reaction to that? I can't argue that. Uh, you know, you want to be the best, beat the best, and, you know, you settle on the field. Sure, UCF may have a better record, win or lose in this game, but, you know, superiority comes on the field. If, you, if you're matched up, winner gets bragging rights. No, you mean actually trying to decide something on the field? Wow, looks like the college football playoff committee agrees with you for the first time in years, Drew. Anyways, no. What? Blind squirrel <laughs> finds nut. Details at eleven. <laughs> I just had to take that spare shot. You set me up too good, brother. <laughs> no, but um, yeah. See, here's the thing. I hear that, but by the same token, one has to consider what UCF may not have on the field. And now, granted, it's going to be balanced out with Florida. They already have another uh, number of transfers that have left uh, because of the recent coaching change there. Billy Napier being introduced surely won't coach the bowl game. I know that, but um, there's already movement in the transfer portal with some of these guys. And not to mention, they probably have some pro prospects or something like that that are going to sit the bowl out. So that comes into play. Well, as on the UCF side, you know, will Isaiah Bowser be playing? Will um, Matt Lee be healed up well enough? Will he take the field or is that too much of a health risk? There's a whole lot of other questions that either side could pull, but to Eric's point, whoever wins is going to talk trash and declare to be the best right. in the state anyway. So and rightfully you know, so. And well, it'll be the court of public opinion via Twitter, depending on how the game goes. And for those of us analysts who know better and don't just go off of knee-jerk reactions, um, <laughs> bing, what nothing for the plug. I, but uh, you know, it, it has <laughs> remains to be seen before I will de declare that definitively. But off of instinct, sure, that's what's going to happen. I uh, got question here. JP Gilbert chiming in. You know, it's a big deal when my boy JP Gilbert. Chimes no, the, in the game, the, the Citronaut mascot is not on the line in this game. Correct. No, he's uh, he does not ask about that. But don't he might you know? Don't worry, that's coming. He asked the question, what do you think the attendance will end up being? Look, I think this is going to be a sellout. The thing that I'm interested in, guys, what do you think the percentage is going to be between UCF and Florida? Because I think UCF mm -hmm. fans will come in droves. I'm not sure. Do you think Florida fans will show up? Or do you think they're going to take the blase like, ah, we don't care? I think UCF fans. What, what's your guys' thoughts on that? I mean, I'll uh, go first because, Drew, you're more educated on it and you can make me look bad. That's fine. Uh, no, for me, for my <laughs> – Oh, that's not new. Uh, look at this guy. Anyways, wow. give him a minute. He, he's only he's only this happy because he's got his uh, Buckeyes playing Utah. There's excitement. Oh, boy. <laughs> there we go. Smack talk beginning here. Oh, wait. <laughs> no, but um, it also is just like, I feel like you're going to have some Gator fans travel. It is, after all, what? Only, say, four hours? Um, but UCF's closer. And they've... The UCF's traveled better going to the Fiesta Bowl, setting records at the Peach Bowl. And, oh, by the way, we talked about the attendance at the Gasparilla already. 
Um, but for my money, I'll give Florida some credit for traffic at least relatively decent. Who knows? They were this close to not getting a bowl at all. There's that to think about. Um, so with all that in mind, I'm going to go 60-40 fan base-wise in favor of UCF. But I think I, I don't think Florida is just dismissing it out of hand. And there's going to be a blase blue blood element, sure. Um, but I think more of them will show up because, hey, after all, who wants to sit around the in-laws that much around Christmas? I'm just saying. True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and the irony is I, I'm at an in-law vacation right now for my mother-in-law's birthday. So I mean, I'm already with the in-laws. I'm getting it out of the way now. So <laughs> for, for, for bowl time, I'm perfectly free and available. Uh, you know, let, you know, Florida's fan base is, is, is generational. You know, we can't, we can't argue that. And that's where UCF is working towards, but it takes time and, and they're not there yet. You know, and, it, that's just the timing thing. You know, you got a hundred year head start. You're going to have generational fan base. This is an opportunity. If the big donor fans don't come, others will. You're you're in Tampa. You're in a very accessible area. You've got you know Naples and Fort Myers can make the easy drive up. You know Bradenton, Sarasota. Then you go all the way up to Ocala, maybe even the, into the Gainesville area. So you're kind of in a central location that can bring a lot of fans in. And Florida has them. And, and people who don't normally go to games may use this as an opportunity to go to a game because uh, of availability. You know, it's hard to get tickets to to Gator home games uh, just uh, either from the, the travel aspect or people just jack the prices up and, and make it un, unwieldy. Uh, I, I still think UCF's going to show up. You know, they're going to take, the, you know, fans are going to take this game seriously. It's not Marshall. It's not Ball State. It's not <laughs> Podunk University. It's the University of Florida. And, you know, that that, that comes from being a, a little a little brother school for a very long time. And, hey, I was, a, you know, my brother's five years older than me. Guess what? I grew to be taller than him. So, you know, <laughs> younger nice. brother can become the bigger guys at one point. It just may take some time. And this is a good step in that right direction. Yeah. UCF struggled a little bit, but um, this is a ripe Florida team for the picking. Uh, I, I still think it's 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 not going to be quite 50-50. I think Florida may still have a slight advantage just by sheer numbers uh, of people out there. Um, but I'm, I think maybe 55-45. It's going to be pretty close. Hey, but I think both schools like will sell out their allotments. I agree. Uh, but, and that's going to make it for a great environment and an atmosphere. I think that makes the bowl game, especially in December bowl games, that's what makes it special. The three of us have covered bowl games. Kyle, you and I have covered a lot of the Orlando bowl games. You oh, and yeah. I, I think, were there for that Michigan-Alabama game. That was oh, special. Yeah. That yeah. environment was special. Uh, I was there when uh, Notre Dame played Florida State about a decade ago in Orlando. It was special. Uh, I think matchups make a bowl game in these, uh, these days. Unless you're in January, obviously that's different. But I think in December, I think the days of, well, this December bowl game is more important than the other bowl game. No, the matchup makes it special. And I think it's going to be an electric atmosphere that night for that game. Something that that bowl game has, will, has never seen and will likely never, ever see again. Um, I, I don't know about never. Well, actually, let's put it this way. The good thing about air quotes declining programs in the state is that as they decline, they'll have their way on the way out to get into that bowl again. So perhaps, you know, you'll see more appearances from the U of M there in the future or, you know, FSU, perhaps. Of course, I, I kid mostly. But in a situation like that, where's a change where there's a change of power in the state potential and, you know, 
those states, excuse me, schools that are going to be replaced within the state as power changes hands amongst the schools are opportunities for that bowl to clean up. They're going to be, they're going to use the business model that the Clippers used to utilize back in the day before they became competitive. Like think back to like the nineties where they were just a joke and not just little brother, but sibling, or excuse me, but child, let's say to, to, to the Lakers, we're just going to be there because we're in LA and at some point, we're going to sell out when other good teams come to town. This strategy is, hey, listen, we're in Florida. Somebody's going to do bad at some point, but they're still going to have that name that's popular in the state, and we're going to cash out at that point when they need us to have that bowl opportunity. And not to mention, no one's going to skip it at the recruiting. Hello, you know. The recruiting, that's a great point. That, you know, say what you will. I mean, you know, recruiting, will it will definitely be a big push in that game it always is when you have in-state games and things like that uh by the way you got some other comments mike uh, jody saying i know people that were almost 700th in line for tickets 10 minutes after ucf posted their Whoa. ticket line i'm gonna say this again and i know people are gonna disagree with this outside of the new year's six bowl games this is the biggest ucf bowl game ever and i'm gonna tell you um, why that's kind I'm of an easy that's it's kind of an easy well, no no because some people are gonna <laughs> argue well what about the georgia liberty bowl game you know, that's great and all. This thing, there are there's so many connections between the two schools. You people know each other from these schools. This is bigger than the South Florida game. This is bigger than any of the new non-New Year's Six Bowl game. This is this is to me the future of UCF scheduling. I think Terry Mahajer and UCF will be scheduling Florida, Florida State, and Miami, which is why I am okay with South Florida being off the schedule. Because yeah. I think UCF fans would rather play Florida. Florida State and Miami every so often than playing USF every year. And I think this is a big, this is the first step in that gear. And it's kind of ironic because there was all this argument about Florida and UCF and two for ones and neutral fields. And here we are, we're playing in Tampa and you know, what's going to happen. Everybody's going to have a good time. Oh, that's a fact of the case. And, and, you know, you make the point about, about growth and, and, and all that, Elo, I would argue at this point, you mentioned the future of scheduling. Heck, it might be time in general as UCF grows to find a new rival because what's the point if they're a stepchild for the rest of your life? They have to be a threat for it to be a rivalry, right? And it'd be nice. UCF's goal in this game, I'm just going to say it outright. They don't necessarily need to win it to look good, right? right? They just need it to be close. And look, they can spin the narrative from there. Hey, listen, we got an SEC coach in his first year and made it close against the Gators, and we have all these people missing, and and uh, Dylan Gabriel left just before it started, and all this other what have you. All these, you could call them excuses or reasons or whatever you want, but all this stuff that they could spin to show potential in this program. I, I got to disagree. Uh, you have to win this game. You, you have to win this game. One, this is a 6-6 six and six Florida team. This is not a... Uh, in, Which, by the way, by the way, Drew, I'll, I'll let you finish. Uh, Mike Doty has chimed in, and I don't know if you heard. Apparently, Anthony Richardson will not play in that game. Apparently, he's having meniscus surgery. So, and that's big. That, that's that is very huge big. news if accurate, because he's by far the better quarterback. We, we part of the reason why Dan Mullen got fired is he kept playing the wrong quarterback. If <laughs> so, if Emory Jones is going to be the starter, Drew, that to to your point. This game is a toss-up here. That's a yeah, toss-up. It, no, it I, helps, that, that kind but, of changes but, my answer, too, not for nothing. I, I I was not aware of this yet. So Neither am I, but Mike Doty, yeah. uh, pro, you know, to his thoughts on uh, props. But but you, UCF has to win this. Uh, you know, you're, 
it's a six and six Florida team. There's there's no viable excuse to say, well, you know, we got close. Uh, moral victories don't work here. Now they actually do in the press. I know you don't like them, Drew, but hey, listen, the, the Cowboys, for example, in the NFL have been looking good just on the strength of having a moral victory in the first week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's the same thing. The only difference is the NFL doesn't play in a poll system. Okay. That's, well, and that's the thing. It's, it's a different monster. It's a different monster though. Uh, you know, you, as you know, Kyle, you lived it. You know, UCF's yeah. history is is all about moral victories. We almost did this. We almost did that. There was an offensive pass interference that came out of nowhere. We mm-hmm. missed an extra point. There was all these almost. Almost doesn't cut it if you're trying to break through. And UCF's trying to break through, not just into the, into the P5, which will come with time, but they want to break into the elite. You want to be the elite in the state. You have to win. Oh, right, but they're not trying to break into the elite now. Uh, against the, the big schools in the state. you got to overtake them. The only way to do that is on the field because, you know, otherwise it's all paper stuff. I, I hear that. Well, you're speaking more to a kind of a playoff stand a stance and, and getting into polls. You're absolutely right from that standpoint. I'm speaking more to recruiting because here's the thing, Drew. None of that part actually matters until 2023 at the latest, right? For, for the upcoming season, which I'm sorry, I'm assuming it's not going to happen next year, but I could be wrong. I will say that out No, front. that's pretty fair. That's pretty accurate. No, no, you no. Know. 2023 is the realistic time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I mean. That's, and that's I very say, fair. Okay. So, for this game, you're recruiting for that. And, again, with all that stuff you can list, you're trying to bring in the guys that will be protecting whoever that quarterback's going to be. You are bringing in the guys who will be getting separation uh, in the receiver core, we haven't this year as much as we would have liked. You're going to bring in the guys that are going to replace Isaiah Bowser and that defensive line and those corners, all that. That's the goal of this game. A moral victory will work here. Now, to your point, after that 2023 piece, they better have something else for the uh, for the committee. That because well, that's where everybody. they're trying to break through. For everybody. Now, for everybody. Uh, they're <laughs> yeah. going to eventually that for, for uh but you know, part of part of it is the the early signing day. Correct me if I'm wrong, Eric. Is December fifteenth? That's early signing day for 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 the 2022 class. So the majority of them are going to be signed. This actually is is geared towards the 2023 class. Yeah. Where uh, where because not only do you have this, you have this game as a springboard towards the 2022 season. So you're you're creating a momentum thing, and you know to go around and be able to say, hey. We won on the field because we got our poop together, uh, you know, compared to a, a school and a program that is in, was in complete disarray and, and was basically, you know, you know, cannibalizing itself and, and people were leaving the program. Uh, you know, you can sell that. Uh, the win would, would really take it to the next level and say, oh, we've got the foundation laid here. This is part, the win is part of that foundation. Do you want to, write history or do you just want to be part of history sure sure and, and listen obviously a win would be better let's not get dumb here drew i i read the same program you do every week that always reminds us that a win is better than a loss <laughs> but, <laughs> i love it i love it, it. that's so great and it props props to dan for that but what i will say is this um do you have to win necessarily no i agree with you obviously a win is better but if you could say, hey, listen, we were here and we still managed. Right, it's this. not the end of the world. It ain't yeah. the end. It's, it's well, a, it's I mean, a, it's, it's never the end of the world. It's never the end. Life will always move on. 
Um, you'll always be able to pick up the pieces on this and be well, able to. You might to, want to remind to some of the receive. fan base. Remind the fan base, Nigel. You might want to remind. <laughs> yeah. The sun will rise in the east. Are you sure? Ish. Are you sure? Ish. Ish. <laughs> but the sun will come up tomorrow. There, there will be a new day. Uh, remember, December 2012 already passed. We made it. <laughs> my man no but yeah not so cheap in your points man i'm with you on that but, all right gotta, uh, let me reset here this is night shift we're uh breaking down ucf going to the gasparilla bowl against the florida gators prime time december 23rd at raymond james stadium i'm eric lopez mr drew glukoff the star of our time docuseries by the way and uh, <laughs> kyle nash star uh more comments coming in dan cundiff with the UF opt-outs, there is no way UF outdraws UCF for attendance. Come on, Gus. Heal these players up. Win this thing. I didn't the realize question, Gus had a medical question. degree. Um, <laughs> I mean, maybe he, he played some D&D as a kid and got some magic points and was able to able to use them. You know, Does Gus strike wounds. you as a paladin? I don't think so. Uh, I don't know. He, he definitely comes as a as a defender. Um, you know, a holy Eric defender. Does not kind of know thing. what to think of this. What are these nerds doing? What are these nerds doing? <laughs> hey, look! I mean, look at the face. Look at the face. <laughs> but, oh, no, but, but but seriously, no, um, you know, with three we have we don't know. Yeah. We don't know if there's going to be any uh, UCF players that 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 opt out of the ball game there's positive i don't think there will be because there's i don't think there's any that really have high nfl prospects at this point i mean clearly davis i thought was the best shot and he's out anyway mm-hmm. uh so i don't think any are going to and you know it, it's a matter I, of just getting healthy now and I this is the this best time the, the next guy that might have been the most likely would have been isaiah bowser who himself via via uh social media has said he is returning so or it has been it has been alleged that he's returning. Yeah, and, and well, as I, as I've said about many things, and, and I wish it was on our time because it was very poignant and it became very prophetic. Here we go. Until goes. the guy's back behind, you know, you know, getting, you know, when that ball is snapped, he's not back. Oh right. Uh, well, I've said no, it about I, I, some said- outgoing players, and I'll say it about us until he's back because we don't know. We don't know how his recovery is going to be, obviously, and everything. Right. Uh, but I, until until he's back, we can't assume that he is. Uh, but look, you know, you Kyle. I, I don't want to keep droning on, but well, you, you yeah, mentioned the, the, the short thing. Bowser, I'll say is he's not going to be there anyway with the injuries. But I'm mentioning him right. as the next NFL prospect. Right, but you mentioned the running back. You know, it goes in the running back stable, and that's where I'm kind of going at. You know, the strength of the team is really in the running backs. You have, you know, aside from Bowser, you have uh, speedster Johnny Richardson, who plays a great lightning uh, to the thunder that both Bowser and more recently uh, Mark Anthony Richards have been delivering. Uh, that's actually where this game is going to be decided, is if the, the offense uh, from UCF can establish the running game. And, and you mentioned Matt Lee. You know, Matt Lee has been a valuable part, has fought through injuries and has been raved upon by Coach Melzahn as as a guy who they've had to pull him out of games because he was just hobbling around but refused to take himself out. This is is the best thing you got. You got a few extra weeks. Yeah, you got practices, which is great for the younger guys, but this is about getting guys healthy and ready for that next game. Uh, the offensive line is going to is going to be huge. You know, we saw what happened when the offensive line was failing, and Mikey Keene was running for his life. It, he struggled. He threw for 15 yards in the second half against yeah. South Florida. 
you know, five completions for 15 yards. I mean, that obviously that's unacceptable. But, but a lot of it is these players are just beat up. This is, as Cus said, this is one of the most beat up teams he's ever seen. And it's mm-hmm. not for anything like bad strength and conditioning. Injuries, a lot of them are just freak things. A guy rolls up on you. Uh, you make a bad cut. Uh, you know, ligaments don't strengthen the same way muscles do. And, and they, they don't heal the same way. I mean, a lot of it is just freak stuff, you know. Guy celebrates and, and crashes into coach and breaks a leg. What do you, you mean? Know? That's totally the conditioning guy's fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, let's use the benefit of time and 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 hope that the training staff uh, has some good breakthroughs and, and you know, calls down the elder gods mm. uh, to mm. to make some unholy alliances and and be able to heal these, these guys because uh, they're going to be needed against a team like Florida – and, and I don't buy the oh they're not it's you know it's a down bowl game they're not going to care. You think they want to lose to UCF and have to hear about it? I don't think so. Oh, they don't want to deal with that. They're they're going to be ready to play this game, and I know the UCF coaching staff is going to make their players ready for this game. Well, let me ask you both this, and we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of time to break down the X's and O's in this game. We're gonna have some special shows leaning up to the game with the two of you, but just kind of early thoughts. You know, you've had about a you know a little a little time digested, but I'm not sure that you both have seen Florida at some point during the season on TV, whatever. What are some of your thoughts from an on the field X's and O standpoint that jumps to uh, uh, jumps out early on here? Well, I mean, I'll I'll lead off with this. Like, I wasn't it, and and Drew, you correct me if I'm wrong. You do that pretty well when I am. The 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 um, I have a lot of lot of experience. Um, <laughs> This guy and his knee-jerk reactions, I'll tell you what. Accent on the jerk. And, oh, no. But anyways, no, listen. What a jerk. <laughs> but uh, I believe this this Florida team is the one that snuck back in and tried to make the Alabama game that they had competitive, yeah. right? Played really well. So, a lot of people, it's the irony of all irony. They really lost by only two. They really controlled the line of scrimmage at that game. People were like, wow, this Florida team might be pretty good. And then it went south from there. Yeah, well, and that's the part that worries me the most is one thing I've seen being on the field. You mentioned as an example, Eric, this this bowl game uh, most recently here in town, uh, the uh, the Citrus Bowl, I should say, um, back when there were still fans, uh, <laughs> was um, was very telling with Alabama and Michigan because while 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 Jim Harbaugh did his darndest to keep that game as close as it was at halftime, yep. it couldn't hold. And what I saw, the thing that jumped off the page to me again. Pardon my bias, but how much bigger Alabama's linemen were versus Michigan was off the charts. Now, granted, Florida's not Alabama. I know, Drew, even before you asked that question, I see you making the goofy face like me talking about Gus as a paladin. That's my regular face. Uh, <laughs> but um, um, Face for radio, come on. <laughs> but, yeah, I keep forgetting I'm the handsome one. But the, uh, but the, the, the thing that, that does jump off the page are two things. You mentioned it earlier with health. And um, the interior line, um, the the older members of the interior line have a history of getting abused if they're undersized up front. Doesn't happen a lot, but when they've had that situation, that has occurred in the past. Matt Lee recovering over the next three weeks, in my opinion, is the single biggest factor going on the field coming into this game. Um, and and you know that that trench warfare up front, I get a little worried about what Floyd is going to bring for the Knights. True. Uh, your thoughts? I I think Kyle is right on. It, you know, it comes back to the offensive line. Uh, 
this this game will be made or broken in the in the trenches because you it's just within the trenches you establish the running game. Pass protection is easier. It's even especially for for linemen that are beat up or undersized because you're dropping back. It's an agility based technique. Run blocking is a strength based technique. If you're undersized and you're under strength, you're gonna you're gonna be exposed. And you know we've seen the offensive line struggle to open up lanes for running backs when they're a little undersized. And Kyle nailed it. Uh, and you know that's where Mark Antony Richards and Isaiah Bowser were able to to be successful because they can they can break up a tackle. They you know they can drag a guy. Uh, you know you know two three four yards downfield. Uh, Johnny Richardson basically can be caught with one with one arm and thrown down. Not to say he's not bad, but he he's just a small running back. That's just it. Just is. He is more likely uh, for hit. a home run, but yeah, right. And that's the other thing with small running backs is you can squeeze through. I mean, that was one of the things Warg Dunn did so well. Is you know I believe he was about five eight five nine, but he was able to squeeze through a lot of small spaces and make something out of nothing. Where a six foot six one running back is going to run into a wall because he just can't get underneath it. Uh, but in the end, it still comes down to the offensive line, creating explosiveness. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I see in our comments, you know, uh, caustic advisor asked, was the O line as bad as I say? Absolutely. They were, you know, I love the offensive line. I, I'm a big fan of these guys. Cole Schneider is incredibly versatile. Yeah. Uh, I expect big things from him. Matt Lee is, is still a player on the rise. He did outstanding last year. Uh, he had a great, he, for all things good, he's done well this year. He's just been, been beat up uh but this offensive line at times has been absolutely manhandled and you know you look well, at that's the last the difference and, and, and that's a concern in the difference you know i've said you know people don't like the sec and they think they get the benefit of the doubt but kyle you know this the difference between the sec and the rest of college football is the line of scrimmage it's mm-hmm. not an accident that the sec gets a lot of defensive linemen and offensive linemen drafted and I've and, and I've always and not and quarterbacks, it, but in uh, but fewer quarterbacks and also more running backs as well. It, it right. all seems they that. just get the best stuff. And I've always heard you know UCF the issue is not getting skilled talent. UCF can compete with skilled talent with anybody. It's the line of scrimmage. Yes. And I'll never forget. And Drew, you were at the, uh, the Peach Bowl. I remember Scott Frost said mm-hmm. how the reason why the key to beating Auburn was they were able to you know go even in the line of play it's like if we could just hold them off and be even in the line of scrimmage i like our chances and that's how they won the game when the reason why the sec is successful and probably why we're going to have another all sec national title game is of <laughs> line play and people that's the reality you can expand the playoff to 8 to 16 to 64 that's not changing anytime soon and i think hopefully from a ucf perspective that starts to get better when you go to the Big 12 is you get better linemen in recruiting in that regard. Yeah, because you can teach technique. You can't teach raw size. I can't make a guy who's six feet into six foot four. Uh, it just doesn't happen. There, there's oh, only you, so you want to borrow you... some? Here you go, Drew. Yeah. No, I'm sorry, that's not how it works, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, really, that, that would be really cool. But obviously, that's not how it works, <laughs> UCF has a great track record of developing, you know, underrated, under the radar talent. You know, Richie Grant, two-star athlete, ended up in the NFL and, and one of the best to ever play defense for the Knights. Uh, that's not coincidence. You know, they done okay, Kevin Smith, you know, Blake Bortles, you know, was barely recruited as a quarterback. Uh, you know, you can develop him, but again, Blake Bortles is six foot five. You can't teach that. You know, you can't teach pure size. So that, that's just something that that UCF is going to have to pound the pavement on and and do it and build over time. 
the fact that they're they're going to be moving up in profile, they're going to ha- they're going to have more resources to to kind of uh, you know spread assistance and and analysts around to be able to 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 do the work uh, because obviously a head coach can't do it all uh, is going to be invaluable. But you know you you got to start somewhere. Obviously we we're, we're starting you know the 2021 Gasparilla Bowl. It's the first bowl game after the announcement. I'd like to point that out. Uh, so the narrative's changed. It's a new narrative. It's no longer just G5 versus P5, a little redheaded stepchild trying to be noticed by Big Brother. No, this is a a sign of things to come. Yeah, th- this is this is a potential foreshadowing. You know, don't don't rest on these guys because they're coming, and, and you may not like it, but they're coming. And, and this yeah. is an exciting time. It's a very exciting time to 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 be a UCF fan. It's a very exciting time to be you know, a student, you know, a part of the athletic department, a lot of things are changing. You know, I hope, I hope everyone gets on board and, and not just in football, but the other sports, because the change is happening everywhere. And it's only going to be, it's only going to be up. Uh, Everything is, is, is in a, in a position to win, uh, you know, now, and then more so going forward. Uh, I just, I don't want, you know, football to to completely dwarf that. Obviously it's what brings home the bacon, but, uh, you know, the things of being a bigger lineman, better lineman, because size, size is one thing. But I mean, if you, you pick, a, a pick up a guy that's that can't move an inch to save his life, obviously, you know, size, it doesn't matter at that point. You just you go around him. So you got to find the right combination. And, uh, you know, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. There's going to there's gonna be some growing pains. There's going to be some patience needed. But, you know, if the team can get healthy, can get the right, uh, you know, strategy down you know coach herb hand on the line uh they they can do something you know ucf's defense has been improving every week uh it's not coincidence you know it takes time uh we we knew going in that this was a marathon not a sprint right and the the offense is going through its own development you know we've seen mikey keen improve every every week uh some games better than others however last four games zero interceptions Hasn't right. thrown a single one of the last four games. His decision-making is better, but, you know, he can't do much if he's constantly running for his life. So, again, it's going to be settled on the trenches. I mean, Kyle and I both play the offensive line, so we have deep love for it. Um, I, I may have put a, a long snapper on uh, a picture in you know, the article that came out recently out of a bias for being a former long snapper myself. <laughs> uh, but, I mean – it matters. It all matters. Everyone matters. And, and, well, no, I mean, hey, we, for those who haven't seen it yet on YouTube, look up Bill Belichick talking for at least five minutes about the importance of having a roster. Oh, we have seen that. We have. Oh, we have, beautiful. Seen. Absolutely uh, beautiful. I, I got, I got some questions. People, uh, somebody's brought up the fact, is, is there concern of the narrative being about Dan Mullen being gone and Dylan Gabriel being gone? Do you think that's going to be a narrative from the national perspective leading into this game? Or, and there's there any, you know, It'll, have, it'll mean, come yeah. up, sure. Right? It'll come up, yeah. I think I the mean, Mullen thing will come up more than the Dylan thing. I but think. they've um, already hired Billy Napier, who I think is actually going to be uh, yeah. an improvement over Dan Mullen. Um, you know, uh, Billy Napier's done way more with less. Well, yeah, I've uh, talked to this guy Louisiana. a couple times at the Tier Bowl, Drew, and I'll tell you, as far as guys who are called recruiters go, this dude has the personality for it, man. That I mean, listen well, – Eric and I had him on our short list uh, of coach of uh, potential head coaches, you know, along with Gus Malzahn. So, I mean, uh, he wasn't unnoticed on our end. 
Well, there you go. So, you know, I'm glad to see you respected it. And, and you know, listen, obviously he's not as entertaining as, like, let's say Coach Ogeron. But this is a guy who's very personable. And if he if he can't pass that in the press conference, how on earth are you going to do that when you're across the dinner table from a kid in his house, right? Or on a boat like T-Well allegedly is right now this after, or earlier today with a recruit. Just saying. By the way, Drew, did you notice how Kyle just name dropped like Billy Napier? Like, oh, I talked to him. Yeah, at a bowl game. He's a good guy. Like, I feel yeah, like he's good. Did you go have a beer with him too? Did you, <laughs> you know, compare no, pictures no. of your kids? It was, like, uh, it was, a, it was, a, it was a crawfish. <laughs> listen, listen, I feel like if you both end up covering the bowl game and Billy Napier's there, like, I feel like Kyle has to introduce Billy Napier to you, Drew. I feel like that has to happen. I did well, introduce I, myself to Coach Ogeron at the Fiesta Bowl, whatever that's worth. Did you understand his response? Absolutely. Look, look here. Well, well it helps. It helps your wife's fucking accent. Who? That's unacceptable. <laughs> if you do that, I will find somebody and I will tackle you. And you got to when you say tackle, you got to hit that K really hard. Tackle, okay? <laughs> it's like the guy from Waterboy. <laughs> the problem with haters is they're gonna hate. <laughs> so uh wow that, that's kind of wild there uh other thoughts <laughs> i'm gonna just move on from all that recruiting in florida is about to be insane hard nor mike norvell at fsu gus at ucf billy napier at florida and mario cristobal at miami let me clarify the mario cristobal thing is not a done deal latest reports is we'll know by monday so depending on when you're watching or listening to this we'll know it's if, with miami anything's possible i feel like we're in the mix of a you the the you part three documentaries unfolding by before our very eyes with that coaching search. But anyway, what's your thoughts on that? The recruiting in the state with Gus, which by the way, he's only played Florida once in his career because the SEC has this whack scheduling because you don't play everybody and things like that. And then Florida's gonna have Billy Napier. What's your thoughts on the recruiting aspect? You buy that it'll be a lot harder there? What do you what's your think of the the state of Florida from a recruiting standpoint? Well, I don't think it's be a lot harder. Uh, part of it is Miami has to realize what Miami is. You know, when they were in their heyday, it was a lot different. Games weren't available for for all the schools like they are now. But the truth is, they're a small little private school. Uh, you know, yeah, they may be in the ACC, but they don't actually have as much to offer as a lot of the other schools. They don't play on campus, which uh, most schools nowadays do. Uh, a lot of their, their facilities are a lot are more limited than, than Florida or even UCF at this point, you know, especially on campus. So you're, there's a reason why they haven't been producing quite as well is being kind of exposed for what they are a little, you know, private school. I don't see that changing, not even with Mario Cristobal, uh, you know, they're not keeping all the talent down in Miami. Uh, there's so much out there that, you know, Louisville gets a lot, you know, Florida, Florida State. I mean, UCF used to be able to, to, to you know, pluck a few here and there. Uh, I think it's going to improve as the stature of the school elevates to the Big 12. But I, I'm not buying that the U is back. No, the yeah, that's about as good as Texas is back. Oh, God. Uh, because it's not. <laughs> uh, this is a different age. This is not 1999. This is 2021. Every FBS game and most FCS games are available to everyone to watch in some sort of medium. Uh, the, it's, it's no longer exclusive, which is one of the things that Miami benefited from. Uh, they, you know, there's, there's, what's the benefit of going to a UCF for, uh, uh, you know, as opposed to, to, to staying at the U? Um, can you think of any? Because I really can't. 
Uh, you know, city of Orlando has a lot there. There's a lot growing there. There's a chance of being able to write history instead of just being part of the legacy. Uh, there's <laughs> Drew's already setting up the narrative in the trash talk from when we signed that home. I'm telling you, we're going to sign a home and home with Miami and everybody's going to be fired up. I'm telling you. He's right. Well, Hey, I was at that. Uh, both of the games of the hey, last hey, home listen. and home where in Miami, there were more UCF fans in the stands than Miami fans. That was pathetic. Well, how cool is it to set up a rivalry with South Florida? That's actually, Actually, in effing South Florida, Drew, you know. Imagine that. Imagine. Oh, that. The, actually, funny you should mention it because I have to get back to the original question before it went off the rails. Uh, fun <laughs> fact here: you mentioned Gus Malzahn. You know, playing Florida once was zero and one. He's played Florida State uh, once. He played UCF once. Uh, South Florida once. FAU once. FIU once. The only one he hasn't played is Miami, but he's never played any Florida school more than once. It's just kind of weird. So, so the, now Florida becomes the the first time they get a second team uh, on the field for from from Malzahn. Uh, I right, agree with a lot of that. I'll say this though: uh, don't forget about the supply of football talent in the state too. That's a huge factor too because there's a lot of it. But I think it only becomes more difficult to re- recruit in Florida from out of state. Okay. At this point, because to your point, Cristobal ain't going to save the day for Miami if he is signed, and I agree with you on that. Billy Napier is going to have to spend a lot of hours in the car, but it beats the heck out of having to spend hours on the plane uh, and, and, and really establish himself to make himself a presence in Florida. FSU, look at their performance. I would argue at this point, as a power, as power five schools go, the ACC is the stepchild. I can make a strong argument that the, a, uh, the American in its current state, not what it will be in 2023, is better than the ACC. The ACC being that stepchild could be problematic in future recruiting. Well, it's about, okay. but you got to get the right, you got to get the right coach. Cause clearly if you don't have, I mean, you could have the talent you want, but you don't have the right coach. You're not going to, you know, I think that's part of the problem yeah. in this state. I don't think Miami, Florida, Florida State have clearly have had the right coach in place. Yeah. As much as I like Norvell, that that appears to be true at FSU. That's a great point. Well, at least Norvell, the second seat, the end of Norvell's season looked optimistic. We shall see. Uh, But we'll see. Now, I've got a question from Tony. Is UCF's quarterback expected to start for the last time? I'm assuming he's talking about Mikey Keene. Your thoughts on that question? Uh, I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, Well, I think the – well, (laughs) it's a little bit of an odd question. I'm (laughs) – uh, do I think he's starting for the last? Uh, right, so if I uh, if I major, I think I know where he's going with this. Do they are they going to get someone from the transfer portal? They're gonna exactly. Try. They're going to yeah. try. No guarantees. Or remember the hero from Twitter, Thomas Castellano, Castellanos. Uh, huh? I I think he needs a year. Uh, you don't want to put a true freshman out there if you don't have to. Uh, you know, last, uh, obviously 2019, Dylan Gabriel played as a true freshman. Of course, the quarterbacks who were on the roster, in particular Brandon Wimbush, who was brought in the starter, couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, which is nothing new than what he did at Notre Dame. And DJ uh, Mack was, was hurt at the time, too. Let's, let's uh, also... Mack was hurt. Right. Mack was never a, 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 an accurate quarterback himself. I'm sorry. His career stats say otherwise, other than the fact he put in the cheat codes <laughs> in uh, the 2018 uh, championship game where everything went right especially in the second half, but, but <laughs> that, you mean after it all went wrong, it went right. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, uh, but I mean, UCF didn't have an accurate passer and, and, you know, in the case of Gabriel's deep touch, that, I mean, that's a rare thing. Most, most freshman quarterbacks don't have that. Very good. Uh, so you can't really expect the true freshman to come in and, and play. You don't want to have to put a guy in that position. Like 
Keen, we've seen the progression and improvement as time going on in real time on the field. You're not supposed to see that happen um, because he's supposed to be in the back developing. Right. And by the time he comes out, those problems are gone. Uh, but, you know, unfortunately, you know, learning to to pick his shots, um, you know, was thrown into double coverage, triple sometimes downfield, uh, you know, hesitating on targets and allowing defenses to get to to pursue on on receivers and thus, you know, potentially leading to deflections or or just bad throws. Uh, that's all stuff that that experience and training, you know, teaches you not to do and, and, and makes you better. But it doesn't happen overnight. So I think at least a year, you know, you want a red shirt, Tommy, give him a chance to to, to develop and, and not have to throw him to the fire if you don't have to. It's going to, if they don't bring in a transfer, and I'm assuming not until they do, uh, it's Keen's team to lose. Um, So it is Keen's team to lose. That is the, that is the definitive statement that I will agree, uh, agree with. However, Drew, listen, man, you already made the argument that proves that, that that question of will will Keen be starting next year is a very high chance of being no, uh, because you just mentioned Dylan Gabriel. I don't know that we have a air quotes Dylan Gabriel in the wings, but you nor I will until we observe that spring game. Because the favorite thing that you said in that in that in that uh, speech there was that we aren't supposed to see that. You're right. It's supposed to be off season development. We don't know what Keen's going to look like on the other side either. For all we know, and not saying this is going to happen, so settle down, but the, the, the pie in the sky is he comes out and does his best Mackenzie Milton impression. Boot off the field at the Cure Bowl, changing lives the next year, okay? Uh, again, <laughs> not expecting that to happen. But we don't need life changes if the future is going to be having an Isaiah Bowser in the backfield as UCF fans, right? It's going to be something where we need him to do um, – he needs his GED, that good enough delivery. Okay, <laughs> and, and, and that's going to be the I like that. Uh, uh, from the hip. Well, son. Let, well, let me ask, let me ask you both this: Is there anything Mikey King can do this bowl game? Remember, one of the things reasons why teams like playing in the bowl games is because of the extra practice time, right? Yeah, going to get that's extra. The pri- that's the primary thing for the coaches. Agreed. So, with that in mind, is there anything he could do in this bowl game that would change your opinion about him one way or the other? Oh, golly. Well, I mean, now that Johnny Richardson's involvement in this game is in question, all I would have said at one point is developing chemistry with him that he never got. Uh, <laughs> other than that, I got a whole lot of nothing. Drew? Uh, I, any- I, I, don't, I don't think so. Uh, you know, you use Mackenzie Milton. Mackenzie Milton was terrible in, in the Cure Bowl, just absolutely dreadful. Um, I don't think that really changes anything, you know, and we talk about, you know, Dylan Gabriel's first year, he only he completed less than 60% of his passes. Uh, you know, Mikey Keene, a little over 63 and a half. So, I mean, you know, the accuracy is there. He just yeah, needs to be a little more decisive in his throws that that's we've seen that improve throughout the season uh, and just you continue on the decision-making. We've seen improvement on that, the less interceptions. Um, so I, I don't think anything that really happens in the bowl game is going to really change the big picture. Um, remember, bowl games are exhibition games when you come down to it. Uh, and that's why you see opt-outs in, in lower-level bowl games that aren't for a national title. Uh, you know, guys have, you know, who opt-out feel they have bigger fish to fry. You know, they, they've got something else that they're working towards. And, and, and the way the, the market is now, I don't blame anyone 
for opting out. You know, they're doing what they feel is best for them. It's kind of like a, a player, you know, deciding to transfer somewhere else and utilizing the port. Hey, you do you that, you know, that's your decision to make. I may agree. I may not, but you're going to do what you feel is best for you. And I hope the consequences are worth it. Uh, so in, in this, I think as long as he keeps on trajectory, of working on ba- making better uh, decisions, uh, not you know putting the ball on the ground, you know just just you know those kind of key fundamental things. I think uh, it's going to be a positive at that point. By the way, uh, people asking uh, both of you your opinion on Taylor Martinez, who's in the portal, the Nebraska quarterback. There's been a lot of talk about him on the message boards, on social media about him and UCF. Are you guys buying that? Like I. I was not a Taylor Martinez fan. Drew, you and I have had a lot of talks about Taylor Martinez. Well, it's it's Adrian Martinez. Um, Adrian, Taylor Martinez I... was was wait, wait Taylor Martinez was another quarterback who played in Nebraska. I can't years confused. Ago. Whatever. Yeah, right. You're right. Um, it's a good well, point. actually, this was Adrian Martinez's best year, and and they were a couple of bad bounces away. But but I mean, the problem with Adrian Martinez is he seemed to always find a way that to to do just one thing wrong, and and they lose the game. And I'm not sure if that's him or if it's uh, Murphy's Law that's still uh, scoffing at Scott Frost for having a business meeting in Philadelphia. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not against a player coming and having a chance to compete. Uh, I, I would take him 10 out of 10 times over Brandon Wimbush, who I was not happy about the, the transfer uh, for the reasons that were easily exposed of the guy couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. I mean, he was basically 50, 50 passer. Uh, Martinez is, is a, a little more of a playmaker does, does a little more with less than, than a Wimbush does. Uh, but on, on the, on the other side, you know, do you want someone who who's going to take, who's going to step in and potentially, you know, take valuable playing time from, from, you know, a player that you want on the field growing. So it really depends on, on the direction Gus Malzahn wants to go with, you know, he has a particular guy he looks for uh, and, you know, that fits a certain uh, offensive style. Adrian Martinez was brought in for more of a spread at Nebraska. Uh, Hasn't quite worked out, but, but that's still the type of quarterback he was built. He was made to be what would Malzahn's, more traditional offense, more balanced offense, really be the best place for Adrian Martinez. I'm not totally sure on that. I'm not 100 sold on that, uh, but I would be willing to give him a chance to, you know, to prove otherwise. Yeah, I think fits an issue too. That's a great point, Drew. Um, and but I don't know. I was never super impressed with him myself. I, I I would I would go I would I would roll the dice on Keen improving in the off season before bringing him in uh, via the transfer portal. That would be my call. Yeah, I, right. I agree. All right. Well, I apologize to Taylor Martinez for com- confusing him with Adrian Martinez. <laughs> I, I'm old. I'm getting old. I have gray hair. Hey, you're, you're um, just past yeah, the whole Scott uh, About that gray thing. hair, um, I'm, I guess I'm not one to talk. Uh, <laughs> I don't see what but, you guys are talking about. I don't know. But isn't it – I mean, you can they Aren't wait? you the oldest one, too? <laughs> no non-committal who i'm not going to comment on that uh but can you can they wait on can you wait though on the transfer portal i mean it's kind of early right i expect more quarterbacks to enter the portal i feel like we're gonna every time there's a quarterback that enters the portal people jump on like when bo Nix. apparently there's report there's rumors that he might enter and they're like oh well it's a gus connection 
I don't think that has a shot in heck of coming here considering that didn't end well at Auburn. So no, uh, I agree. I, I totally agree. I don't think that that's a good fit at all. Uh, there was a lot of controversy on Nick's being named the starter in the first place. Uh, rumor mill says uh, the, he was not the preferred guy and um, the boosters started dictating what Melzon had to do. Uh, which, My son needs to play quarterback. You understand? Yeah, you know, we're, we're yeah. talking some old Southern, you know, Southern yeah. style. You know, that, that would do it over in the Texas. Conference. Yeah. That look here. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think Nix is a good fit at all. I, I don't really want him. Um, I'd rather roll the dice with uh, the development of Mikey Keene at that point uh, instead of a one-year rental on Nix who sometimes looks great and sometimes looks absolutely horrendous and, and yeah uh, let's not leave no, out castellanos no. maybe he'll develop a particular way too right we I mean, we don't know you know especially yeah. with with freshmen coming in when with transfers we know we know what they are because we've seen them for a year for at least a year on the field you know for the most part you know especially these bigger name guys uh if i'm correct the Wimbush transfer happened in january that he he came to ucf so there's there's time uh, you know, <laughs> December is for the freshmen, and then early 2022 is for the transfers. I'd be very careful making blatant statements like that about known quantities, sir, because Joe Burrow was a thing. No offense. Joe Burrow uh, did not have on-field time like some of these other guys. He was not viewed as a huge transfer. Exactly. No, no. If you're if you're stating, I'm talking more like a, a Martinez, a Bo Nix, the you know, big name, uh, a Spencer transfers. Rattler, a, a big name. Uh, right. You know, Burrow wasn't a, a pushover. You know, coming from Ohio State, but uh, <laughs> he wasn't the starter. He wasn't the backup. He was the third string guy. Right. Uh, so uh, it didn't have the 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 fanfare that some of these you know other guys like like Brandon Winbush and stuff. You know, guys who were, were starters who had on field tape time of of. A meaningful amount so right. yeah, let me clarify on that a little bit yeah it's, speaking, it's always okay. the table for speaking of ohio state drew this is right up your alley here <laughs> mr hampton 913 asking what about the quarterback from ohio state who just entered the portal oh good luck um the ucf pro- doesn't have enough <laughs> money to bring in uh bring him in uh, i would love if he would come in because uh he's really talented well explain but, for the uh, audience that may not be aware what he's told what you what people are talking about explain well, uh, the, the scenario there uh quinn ewers uh enrolled early at ohio state skipped his senior season because he wanted to start making money with the nil um feels that he needs to get on the field quicker cj stroud has a firm grip on Ohio State's uh, quarterbacking and will not be giving it up anytime soon. So he's looking for somewhere else to make some coin. Uh, unless Walt Disney uh, and, and Walt <laughs> Disney World is planning on rolling out the red carpet and giving him some six plus figures of endorsement money. There is about a 0. 0.000, <laughs> uh, maybe a few more zeros, one percent chance that he comes to UCF. I put the one in there because you can never say never. That's a fallacy. <laughs> but he's not coming here. I'm sorry. He's, you know, he was the number one recruit last year uh, out of high school. I, as much as, you know, we all love in UCF and we're all alums of the school. Uh, let, let's put our, let's put the tinfoil hat down and, and, and be realistic. Uh, he's not coming. In 20, if we're at 2023, I'd put up a fight on how you can make the argument, but no, not, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's not happening right now. I'm sorry, yeah. guys. It's just not. <laughs> I wish I had better uh, news to tell you. I, I really, I really wish I had better. Drew wants it bad. We know that. I want it bad. 
Come on, Drew. You got pockets. You're a star of a docu series on ESPN Plus. Hard time. You keep, you're telling me you don't have your the deep pockets to make it happen. Tell hey, tell him that I'll his jersey... give you my daughter's sunglasses. <laughs> tell him could... that tell him that his jersey will make it into your museum, aka your closet. <laughs> I'll pay you oh, in no, colored no. pencils and crayons. It belongs in the museum. Uh, this is night shift uh, for those just jamming in here. Eric Lopez, uh, Drew Glukoff, Kyle Nash. You, you think they're bickering now? Wait till they, you know, later in the closer to bowl game when they have more time to talk about this game and bicker to each other. This uh, isn't bickering. This is Sunday afternoon. It's true. <laughs> uh, make sure you follow us YouTube on Twitter, Facebook, of course, blackandgoldbetterit.com. We'll have a lot of coverage of this bowl game. Nighthawk 811. Chiming in saying, Eric, Andrew, and Kyle, rock. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Deal there. Let's see. But, the I mean, people are – a lot of questions about the quarterback room here. Mikey King, Thomas, you know. I mean, where do you – you guys are concerned about the quarterback room? I mean, what where – this is going to be the most dominated offseason question, right, about UCF is going to be the quarterback room. Absolutely. I don't I mean, okay, go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's because quarterback. I, I get it. I mean, you know, people feel good about this defense, although I could certainly ask questions about uh, the partners outcoming and how they're going to fill those certain gaps. But for me, um, yeah, I, I would think it starts with the quarterback room because, again, our receiver core the past three years has always lost an, uh, has lost an NFL caliber guy, right? Running back core is not looking as good minus the Bowser situation. And the O-line, like we talked about. So it's got to start somewhere, and you need that staple guy, right? Now, say what you will, Gus has shown he's willing to work in the the recruitment portal, okay? On Twitter, he's had more boom than anything you find on the 4th of July, because, like, that's what he does when he gets a recruit. He says boom on Twitter, for those that haven't figured that out yet. Um, So, no, as, as far as the offense is concerned, that is the big story, and especially since even though Drew is right that it's Keen's job to lose, that door is pretty damn wide open right now. So, yeah, of course that's where the talk's going to go. I mean, there's never uh, any guarantees. You know, if, if you if you come into camp in 2022 and you absolutely lay an egg, yeah, you're going to put the best guy in place to help your team win. You'd be uh, irresponsible to do otherwise. So, I mean, there's never any guarantees. I mean, Ewers found that out the hard way. There's, there's never any guarantees. You know, Joe Burrow found that out. Uh, uh, Jalen Hurts found that out. You know, you know, insert plenty of transfers where there, there's no guarantee you're going to, you know, be the guy and stay the guy. You know, yes. If, if someone comes in, I mean, think Jalen Hurts is the best example. Uh, you know, you it's hard to continue to be the guy. You know, the next guy can can be even a better guy and and take it from you. Uh, and you know, any good coach is going to put the best possible guy on the field because I'm the goal. You play to win the game. Uh, you 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 want to win. I mean, sentimentality doesn't win games. It's it's the same comment I said time and time again about about Mackenzie Milton. You know, he's he's a, he was a great quarterback. Unfortunately, has not been the same since you know since his injury. Not a surprise. Alex Smith wasn't no, either coming yeah. back, and he was he was a shadow of himself. It was almost depressing to watch. It was great to see him come back for that first game almost willed a team to win and, and then the rest of the season was was a little depressing because hey be fair want, though you want he's, more he, he survived a hit from aaron donald and made it to the playoffs let's not completely well, that's, that, i mean that is true uh <laughs> but you 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 want you want 
these guys who come back from these catastrophic injuries and stuff to to continue to to you know grow and be better and you don't want to see them kind of drop mm-hmm. off but you know oh we, we should have kept him and, and put him in the game sentimentality doesn't win games you put the Correct. guy who is the best player to win and, and well uh milton's future is in coaching i think his playing days are done outside of what was that one more game eric that he's gonna be playing yeah it was announced. he announced this too right but right at the bowl announcement he'll be playing in the hula bowl here at the uh, the bounce house not a very fitting way to end there very fitting we'll way I, I i think uh i think the ucf faithful will come out in droves to to wish him godspeed on the next chapter of his career because i i think it's pretty safe to say he knows his playing days are done but hey the leg may not work the same way the brain works just fine i think he's got a very bright coaching future ahead of him uh and uh you know it's just sad it had to come to that by the way uh the tampa times are reporting that greg knox who's been the interim head coach at florida will coach the bowl game he'll be the head coach for the bowl game uh so he will be the interim correct so that is correct what is your thoughts on that? An interim coach here in a bowl game. So what? You know, these not uncommon. Are... <laughs> yeah, not right. uncommon at all. Uh, in fact, it's it's very common. Um, and, and it's the way contracts are designed. You know, assistant contracts are one year deals. Uh, they 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 aren't treated like head coaching jobs. So uh, those guys are going to coach through the bowl game, and then uh, if it's a one year deal, then they're going to be released at the end of the season. It'll be up to the new coach to decide to retain them. Or in the case of what happened with Randy Shannon, you know, this past uh, offseason going into into 2021, there may have to be a buyout involved similar to with a head coaching job and and get paid to go somewhere else or do nothing, which, you know, uh, may or may not be financially um, uh, beneficial. But, uh, yeah, it's it's not uncommon. Uh, What makes it interesting and and actually more difficult for established coaches is to – scout and 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 scheme against an interim coach uh, especially you only have one game of film of what he's planning and doing and how is it going to be similar is it going to be different uh this is what actually came back to haunt us uh, against the uh, usf you know, correct yeah coach defensive has- coordinator canned you came right. in with two more you know two guys you really didn't know exactly what they're doing and coach malzahn said hey uh, they threw stuff at us we weren't expecting, and we had trouble adapting. That's mm-hmm. one reason why uh, Keen was running for his life. Uh, they, they were able to scheme under secrecy. Uh, the stuff you, know, you had a whole season's worth of film. None of it applied, other than you know, oh, this player is good, this player is good. But as far as is scheme and execution, I mean, it was a blank slate he was coaching against. Yeah, uh, but uh, do you think that gives UCF an edge from a? Yeah, I mean, these guys are probably trying to worry about what their future is as a staff. I mean, from a preparation standpoint, I mean, could that give UCF an edge? Some people ask him. Well, I'll let Kyle go first. Yeah, one can't rule it out, but by the same token, I don't know how much Florida scouting, excuse me, that UCF has done to this point and, you know, what what you can work with on that. So I would say this, because the pool of film is already – relatively uh uh what's his word limited on what they would be facing you know it's not like you could take a camera into the practice field there's not a bill there's not a big bill belichick uh sighting here anytime challenge accepted right yeah there you go um no i I could certainly you know drew said it just as just as well coach uh malzahn cited it himself going into the that usf game uh the monday before at the press conference um 
I don't know that I would write out and say it's a leg up per se because I don't know how much you could scout UCF as a squad either. How many different lineups? How many different players? It's Gus. Which players are hurt? Correct. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, the dang IR, the joke I keep making in IRs is the, uh, is the, uh, 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 in articles is that the IR is so long and includes the damn coach. Okay. So, you know, you have that all going on. I think there's a, there's a, a certain amount of what's his word, vagary going on. And then that's not even accounting for players that have uh, already pulled out of the bowl or hit the transfer portal too. Right. So, scheming for bowls is kind of an outright cluster to start with. Does it add a degree of difficulty? Yeah, I would say so. There's two trains of thought here. There's two trains of thought here. And part of it is because Florida's already hired their head coach. Uh, It's one, you're playing for your job. You you have a chance to be on the staff. You're playing for your spot. So those, those coaches are going to work their tails off. Uh, The second one is they've been informed that they're not being retained there's a possibility they mail it in. Uh, obviously, you don't want to be too obvious with that because that will hurt you professionally. But you know, the guys who are going to be around are probably going to put in a little bit more than the guys who are not. Uh, you know, some will go through the motions a little bit more. So there, there, it's a bit. It's it's kind of a double-edged sword on on Billy Napier being hired. The fact they're running with an interim coach and these guys uh, really may or may not know what their future holds. Uh, I, I think that can actually work either for or against UCF. Uh, but we, we won't know uh, until closer as to who's being retained and who's not. You know, when when Scott Frost left for Nebraska, uh, the assistant coaches were still here. Right. You know, that that's it was actually <clears throat> the agreement was only for him. And so when they when they negotiated that he was going to coach the game, it was all about him, and he had to go do you know you know double dose um, recruiting and what and we saw him get worked into the ground. Uh, so you know obviously uh, we're not going to see you know any you know guys probably you know bust their tails to that level, right. but you know if they want to be a part of a 2022 you know Florida coaching staff. Uh, they're probably been put on notice of, hey, how you do is, is going to reflect, uh, you know, whether you're going to be here or not. But I guarantee there's guys who aren't going to be retained regardless of what happens. And, and that may affect them, even subconsciously, may impact the amount of work they put in. Because, I, you know, they're right, wrong, or indifferent. There's always bias in, in everything that we do and, and, and how we think and feel does come out. In, in the actions that we take. So, I mean, it, it could be, it could lead to just a way I say something, you know, you know, or, or the way, you know, I act or, or the way I, I look at something, but it, it will, you know, knowing what my future holds will impact what I do. Speaking of the future, uh, I'm reading, uh, it is now reported that Mario Cristobal will meet with his Oregon team tonight. This is Sunday night. Uh, 7.30 Eastern time. He is supposed to meet. It is now expected that he will be the new head coach of the Miami Hurricanes. $8 million a year is the word that's been floated out there. There are also Ooh, reports we're in the wrong out of Miami. Profession. Seriously, it's you only two, a good job if you can get it, partner. <laughs> it's also now been spent, reported in some outlets that Miami reached out to Mario Cristobal in November 
Remember the remember the speculator when the AD got fired in Miami and they were talking buyout with Manny Diaz and that didn't happen. The now the, the dots are starting to connect. The belief is that Miami reached out to Mario Cristobal as early as November. We're seeing this more and more. You know, people give Scott Frost a lot of crap for that in 17, but this is the norm, guys, in college yeah. football now. And it's because of the early signing period. Until yes, if thank you, you. Bring that back to February, or you're going to continue to have this nonsense. And if what's going to end up happening is you're going to have interim coaches coaching the playoffs when they expand. Oh, yeah. The coaches uh, totally stole this from the players when it comes to this, you know, late decision, changing of commission, uh, commitment stuff. Absolutely. It was, yeah, and, and then. Yeah. And then having, you know, having these discussions while you're in the middle of a season under contract, just, man, it's, it, I mean, in the pros, you can't do that. It's called tampering. Correct. Uh, well played. Uh, it's, it's so, it, it's dirty. It's, it's just, it's absolutely dirty. You know, yet, you, you know, when UCF was on the receiving side of that from Scott Frost for multiple weeks, he knew he was on his way out and still it's like, that's so disingenuous. Uh, I, Let's see. When Brian Kelly announced uh, was 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 leaked that he was going to LSU, I don't remember what assistant it was, but one of them just came out of the doors. Is I feel like an a hole because I just walked out of a, a recruit's house when yeah. I found out the news that Kelly was leaving. It's like, oh crap! Well, this is awkward. What um, happened was, that, yeah, I'm that's kind of messed up. I mean, we're talking kids' lives here, and 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 this stuff you know is going on. Uh, they've got to change the system. Uh, you know, I, I, I like the idea of a for a time for transferring where you, you play your season, you know, uh, you're, you're, there's a financial commitment by the school, which uh, on the, on the flip side, there's a commitment by the player to receive that financial commitment from the school. Uh, it's part of the deal. You know, you work for me, I work for you. Uh, you know, it's, it's a partnership and your job is to fill your end of the partnership. And it's no different than a coach fulfilling his season. You know, if you want to leave, that's fine. You pay the buyout. But, but leaving during the season or, you know, you know, the bowl game is still part of the season now. Yeah, it's an exhibition. But the season's not over. It's not over until, you know, the last game has been played in January. That's when the season's over. Uh, it's true. The season's not over until that last game is played. According uh, to what document or what assistant policy? coaches contracts run until January. Okay. So if assistant coach signs a one-year deal runs into January, when the season's over, then the head coach should honor that one year. Same thing. Yeah. If it's like that in the contract, I'm, I'm with you on that. I wanted you to make sure you cited that. So we were all clear on that. Right. And I want to say that is why I don't agree with people that are, are, are negative towards Scott Frost because he left. You consider look what happened with SMU and Sonny Dykes in that situation. That team folded. Oh gosh, with the yeah. whole situation broke like a twig. I don't think he gets enough credit, and the players don't get enough credit for how UCF was able to move forward. And Scott recruit was recruiting and going back and forth and coaching UCF. Uh, you know, and credit to Billy Napier. We mentioned earlier he he helped Louisiana win the Sun Belt Championship, even though he was you know he could have easily bolted. So. I, there's a lot of issues in this sport. I know everybody wants to focus on the playoff and the issues with that, but there's a lot of issues beyond the playoff in college football that needs to be addressed. Because this is, we can't have coaches, coaches keep preaching about, hey, it's about the team and it's about commitment. And then you're bailing at the first sign for a big, and I'm not, hey, you, it's a big contract, I get it, but this is, this is not right. 
See, here, here's where I don't buy with, with that particular concept too, Elo. Like it's all about, you know, the coaches say team and they do this. Right. But while they're on your team, you ask them to go into people's houses and basically glad hand, press the flesh and lie to a certain right. extent to get a, yeah. a guy to come to school. That student, or excuse me, that coach goes in there to that potential student athlete's house. That student athlete, he doesn't know if he's his yet, right? To go in there and it doesn't matter. You know, if it's the best dinner he's ever had or not, coach is going to say it is, right? So it's that kind of thing right there. You're asking them to be diplomats, ergo politicians, for the school when it's happening. And then you get shocked when they're able to play the system against you as well. You hired that. If you're shocked by it, hashtag you problem. You problem. Yeah. You problem. Very good. The fact I think Kyle makes the, 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 the earliest part of that, and I think Kyle makes the best point. You go in there and you basically give a bold-faced lie. Now go sleep on that. Um, you know, some of us actually care about integrity. Um, maybe that's why we're not in, in, in you know college coaches, because we don't want to lie to people. Because you're not for sale like that. Exactly, Drew. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not, you know – corporate whores who basically get sold out on that well, think, but, but, think of, but, but think about what we almost had here right like if cincinnati would have lost or if georgia would have beaten alabama you could have had a notre dame team in the playoff when their head coach bolted for baton rouge the week prior and you would have, you know they hired marcus freeman quickly which i think was a great move but that's where we're at right now and uh um, it, yeah, it's anyway, just you know. that's awkward i mean it's just flat out awkward and um i mean what? You know, Oklahoma think- had a had a ten year uh, ten win season, and the guy still jumped ship. I mean, yeah, uh, we live in some weird times. It doesn't well, matter and, if you're and, a and blue it, blood like Notre Dame yeah. or Oklahoma. No coach is safe from the power of the dollar. Why aren't we talking about Oregon in all of this? Right? Didn't right. they just right. lose their yeah. conference championship while Cristobal yeah. is in the news? Right? No. Well, I mean, just, I, I kind of view Cristobal about- similar to. To Scott Frost. True. Yeah, but the difference is wisely. Frost won his game, so no one remembered it, right? Oh, we remember it. Well, you see what I'm doing now, though. <laughs> it ended better. It ended better. Anyway, ended we, we, better. You, we got plenty of time to discuss all that. Let's wrap this up here. Uh, give me your final thoughts here. We got a ton of time to talk at length about this game uh, and this matchup. And uh, we're going to have a lot more programming, our regular podcast. We're going to do some more specials of Night Shift as we get you uh, leading up to the bowl game. Uh, Give me your final thoughts here, uh, starting with uh, you, Kyle. Listen, at the end of the day, the big winner for this is the Gasparilla Bowl, okay? This is the kind of stuff they want to see happen. And the whole reason, if by accident, way back when it was the Beef O'Brady's Bowl, as my good friend Drew (laughs) cited earlier. The insert um, name here, Bowl. Correct. Um, That whole, the the whole concept of the St. Petersburg Beef O'Brady's, yeah, let's just go with insert name. The INB, there you go. (laughs) Um, I'm just uh, mad I I didn't jump on the Bitcoin part when it was $300 a coin. Oh, here we go. Listen, stop adhering to stereotypes. I have a point here. (laughs) The whole piece with that investment going on, what I'm I'm trying to say is whoever is running the Gasparilla Bowl, let all the people make fun of it that you want to. That committee is going all the way to the bank with it, and it starts especially this year as the power struggle in the state of Florida goes. I'm just saying. Uh, I, I agree. Uh, the, the, the the bowl is the biggest winner. Uh, this is the best matchup the bowl has ever had. Uh, you know, 
this one of those ESPN owned ones where you know, it's all about viewership. They never really cared as much about selling tickets because um, that's not where their money is. So, you know, that's why they, you know, the ESPN bowls trade teams all the time, especially last year, which was the first year in their new bowl contract, which is a very convoluted pool setup that allows a lot of movement to, to basically maximize uh, for themselves. But you know, the low and mid tier games, they need a hook. They need a story. And there was no better matchup for the Gasparilla Bowl than UCF versus Florida. I would have loved to have seen UCF Auburn um, play right. for for different reasons because that's a great story in itself. I mean, it I mean, Gus itself. versus the old team playing both sides of the or coaching at some point on both sides of the sideline. You couldn't beat it, buddy. And that's why I thought I, mean, I would love to have seen that in Birmingham. And I was I was kind of trying to will it to existence, but I mean, the cards were stacked against it. Yeah, but you would have uh, been there in person. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay you know because i want to live and i don't want my wife to murder me but we would have sent you instead uh oh and i know you love to travel but but, but that, that's, right not, that. that's not here nor there uh, in the end um the fans will get to win they they get to see this matchup this has been a talked about matchup obviously there there are coming upcoming matchups uh on, on the docket at least through signed contract uh, we will see UCF versus Florida twice in the 2020s instead of just once, mm-hmm. and then twice in the 2030s. So, so look, uh, now it's a, a two-one-one. So I, I think we can take that and run. Uh, let, let's accept that for the win that it is. Uh, we get we get to see the the, the old guard versus the new blood, and, and see if the, uh, the power shift can start. You know, today now. Can, can we see the shift start now instead of having to wait uh, a few years into 2024, I believe it is, uh, when the, the first game takes place? So I, the bowl wins, the fans win. The only people who don't win are the ones who are bitter that this game's happened, i.e., you know, Gator fans. <laughs> hey, again, that's what comes with entitlement. You were this close, this close to not having a bowl game. All right, we got yeah. one last. We got one last question. We're going to sneak in. By the way, thank you to everybody who has chimed in. This has been a busy show. Uh, and we're going to do more of this because I know I, I could sense it. I could sense the excitement here. That's it. Definitely was, you know, this is, this is pretty, uh, people are excited about this matchup. Uh, question Do we think UCF will finish the early signing period with a higher rated recruiting class than Florida like it currently has? Anybody who wants to check that? I mean, uh, simply... I'll, I'll, I'll go on that. I'll, go I'll, ahead, I'll jump yeah, on that first. Uh, I'm going to say no, but it's going to be close. You think uh, Napier makes up some ground here? I think Napier does make up some ground. Remember, there are two signing days. There's December and, and this February. So um, while he's talking about the early signing day in December, um, I, there's still there's still a couple weeks. And you know, while he's still new, he, he as far as Florida's coach, he remember he's not coaching the bowl game. He's not coaching any bowl game. Unlike, you know, Scott Frost who had a, a double dip and it actually probably hurt him in Nebraska. He can dedicate fully to Florida recruiting and, and make up some of the lost ground. Remember Dan Mullen didn't really care for recruiting. He didn't like it. I mean, he made it pretty clear that he wasn't a fan of it. Well, any head coach in college football that absolutely wants to win and be taken seriously. So he knows nowadays recruiting and signing day stuff is actually more important than the game itself. Uh, it's 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 really changed. It's it's weird. Playing the actual game doesn't matter as much as how you do in recruiting. And you know we all recognize it. So I, I think they'll be able to make up a little bit of ground. I think they'll finish slightly ahead. Not not as far as as Gator fans would like, but 
Uh, this was by far the best possible hire they could get. As we know, there was a lot of question marks, uh, you know, with with the program in the state that was in. Uh, they weren't going to be able to lure, um, you know, like Brian Kelly going to LSU. They weren't going to be able to pull that off. Uh, in fact, a lot of people trashed LSU for letting Billy Napier get away. Uh, I think he would have been great at LSU, a natural fit, you know, considering he already knows Louisiana. But you know what? This is all, he doesn't have to fake all... a Southern accent either. Oh, the, oh hey, God, we just had this conversation about about coaches as politicians, y'all. Okay, just saying. Oh, I said y'all. You gonna bust me for that? <laughs> oh boy, here we go. We've already got. It's getting already ugly. Florida, in their press release, mentioned UCF as Golden Knights. Oh, here we go. Well, you, oh, mean the, well, you know, aside from the fact that that's trolling at its best, they know. Granted, the last time they played each other was 2006. I was at that game. It sucked. Um, <laughs> but that was also the last year UCF were the Golden Knights. And they're just trolling at this point. They know it pisses off fans to and the school to know. Oh, end. the trolling between the social media teams on both of these schools is going to be insane the next few weeks. And UCF's social media team is second to none. They are going to destroy these poor suckers. So interesting. You call out the media team as such a great thing that UCF has because they are. Listen, people talk about best in the nation when it comes to UCF and their media action. I'm not going to argue with you. It's pretty bleep strong. And yet, you think that Florida's going to out-recruit UCF with the foundation left by Dan Mullen, who, to your point, says he doesn't like recruiting. So, therefore, he's not coming out with such zingers of lines like, a mom uses Facebook, okay? That's the edge, I think, that uh, Gus has. And this is how you get kids nowadays, is good media and fancy uniforms. I swear to God, I never cared about the Citronaut so much. But apparently the recruits do, or at least that's what people would have you believe. Here's the thing, man. They're winning the marketing side (laughs) of it rather than they rather necessarily than the blue blood aspect of it. And you have to respect that. But this whole thing that UCF is one of the first schools to come out the whole spring game uh, before. uh, I forget it was this year. No, it was this year, I think, going into this season that they had the Twitter names on the back. Man, they are leaning into this ish and they're going to win guys over that way. Blue blood ain't going to be what it is. And Billy Napier has an awful lot of foundation to change if he wants that front to be commensurate. And I'm telling you, Drew, that matters. Well, I mean, social media, um, the, the, the media <clears throat> teams obviously don't change with the coaching staff. Certainly uh, UCF social media <laughs> team was better be tomorrow, yesterday. They're yeah. better today. And Correct. they'll be better tomorrow. Uh, Correct. Obviously, that part doesn't matter. Um, the, the thing is – you just can't replicate SEC, uh, and and this you know that's what recruits think. But you do know, you the, need to at this point? Well, yeah, you do. Um, they're they're uh, you can't replicate. That's that's one reason why you know Alabama became the dynasty is. You know, as, you know <laughs> Nick Saban was always a good coach, but he was never this dynasty uh, until he was able to set. Remember, his first year at, at Alabama was, was nothing impressive. You know, it, it obviously sure, it takes sure. a little time to get things together, right. but remember, uh, guys who come in, in, you know, in a recruiting class, don't, they're not the ones who really make a difference the next year, unless you have a, you're a program that's in trouble. You know, 2015, you had a lot of, you had a number of bad spots on, on UCF's team that either went off to the, you know, when, when, when graduated or just needed, needed capping. And, and UCF was able to bring in a few key 
freshman, you know, you have a quarterback, a, a running back, you know, you had some wide, wide receivers um, to, to plug in some key areas to make the difference. But the, that just shows the, the state of the program. Uh, Florida is, is not that bad. Florida is, is a very talented program. Sure. That, that's uh, people ask me, oh, you know, compare Florida to Florida and UCF. How's this game? Florida is the more talented team. UCF is the more cohesive team. And, and this is where UCF has the benefit that cohesiveness can outweigh individual talent. It's not like basketball where one guy can carry the game. Uh, but, you know, you get a guy like Billy Napier, very respected, uh, knows the markets, has, you know, he's had targets that he went after, couldn't get them where he was at uh, Louisiana, but could bring them in in Florida. <laughs> Uh, you know, say what you want. Uh, Florida is the flagship school of the state until it's not, and, and it still is, even though they've had you know a bad year. Yeah. But that blue blood thing uh, also works against you too, Drew. What inspires well, a guy more than being told he can't make it or can't start or can't play or any sort of that? If he's if if a player gets the the concept that it's a crowded room up in the SEC representative, that marketing team, that uh, PR team, that social media team at UCF is going to step in and fill that gap to keep it at the very least, keep it even, which you said it would be a very even comp uh, conversation. I'm telling you that while tradition and prestige are important, they don't carry that same weight anymore, buddy. That's where I'm at. By, by the way, for the YouTube people audience, uh, I've posted the Florida <clears throat> press release. This is legit. This is their press release. I have highlighted drew and uh, Kyle. You could see it right there yeah. with your own eyes. What does it say? The Gators and Golden Knights have faced off twice in the history of the two programs with Florida owning a 2-0 record in the series. Well, actually, that's a very accurate statement, but the Gators <laughs> and Knights have never played in football. Good point. Well done, Drew. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What kind of week? If this is an omen, oh, my goodness. What are we in store oh, oh, for, the, ladies the and is going to be strong. Exactly. Me I, I, I love it. This I, is going to be wild. I want to see some good trolling. Hey, uh, uh, Eric, Eric, uh, Eric DeSalvo, this is your turn. You know, start the you know, time to return the volley. Let the wars begin. <laughs> That's a good way to end this episode right here on that note. We have more. We're, trust me, folks, you're going to hear more from Kyle and Drew in the coming weeks. And, uh, I, I might need Bryson to host some of these just because, you know, it's tough to referee these two. Wait, wait, uh, wait. Are, are we that difficult? Are, are you trying to say that there, there's too much power between Kyle and I that you can't maintain it? Or are we too un, too <laughs> radical for you? Hey, it, we, could... we, we shall see. I mean, this is on an, on an NFL Sunday. I can't wait till you two are not distracted by the NFL and what, uh, what's going to come out here in the coming days and weeks at this game. Oh, hey, so. Men's basketball as well, just saying. Yes. All right. Uh, uh, go ahead, and Kyle. Promote what you got coming up this week on Black and Gold Banner because you were at UCF basketball on Sunday. Oh, by the way, second week in a row, the UCF basketball home game has been overshadowed by UCF news for crying out loud. Can we give some respect to the, the guys? I apologize, Coach Dawkins, but a much better result Sunday. Correct there, Kyle? Oh, absolutely. Dominated the game, 36-point victory over the college at Marymouth Cloud Bethune-Cookman. Um, so, you know, that's a good thing. And, hey, 
I'll get more into this piece, but uh, give credit to Johnny Dawkins in coaching this game, not necessarily because of what happened on the score, but what he did with the lineup. Definitely made great use of the turn-up game, and I'll tell you how tomorrow when I release my piece on the blackandgoldbanneret.com surrounding this game. Very good. That's a good plug there. Drew? I don't have a good plug. <laughs> <laughs> That's a knee-jerk reaction if I ever heard one. I got a plug for Drew. Make sure you watch I, I don't all have 12 episodes. Make sure you watch 12 episodes of our time. Binge watch on ESPN Plus. You'll see our friend Drew there often. It's a shame we don't have another episode of our time. I wanted to see The War Is Now make the show. The War Is Now. <laughs> all right. Keep it up. Keep it on blackandgobanneret.com. For all the latest, we're going to cover this bowl game in depth. We'll have our regular podcast. We're going to have some of these night shifts. These two are going to go at it between now and the 23rd. We're going to have this bowl game covered inside out. We'll have our post-game night shift. Traditionally, Bryson has told me he will join me for the post-game. There's a family feud in this side. The Turner family is now divided. Sources tell Black and Gold Banneret that the Turner family is divided with this Florida UCF game. Bryson will explain that in a future night shift or podcast. I just hope for the best for that family. <laughs> but thank you for yeah, our help. I was say, there's a feud in mind. It's either root for UCF or against Florida. <laughs> sure thing, Buckeye. <laughs> Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page. Make sure you uh, like us there. Make sure you give us a thumbs up. Make sure you also subscribe to our podcast. You can listen to this on our podcast feed as well. Subscribe. Give us a nice five-star review. And uh, we'll keep you co- uh, coverage from date from now until the, the bowl game. We'll have all the uh, every angle covered here, folks. For uh, Drew Glukoff, Kyle Nash, Bryson Turner, who's been helping behind the scenes. I'm Eric Lopez. We hope you've enjoyed this special edition of Night Shift as UCF in Florida at the Gasparilla Bowl.